Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You want to thank God for the lives of all the people that are significant in your life. Thank God for your parents, your siblings, and everyone that significant in your life. Finally, you want to pray that God grants you the grace to understand what will be discussed this morning. And most importantly, most importantly, you apply the principles in your life. That do not be hearers of the words, deceiving ourselves, but we might be doers. Being a doer of the word is not something that you, you know, try to do, okay? If really you have heard the gospel, you have heard the word, your natural response is going to be a doer. So sometimes the issue is that we have not really heard, the spirit has not communicated the essence of the word in our heart. That's why we fail to be fruitful upon the hearing of the word. We want to pray that God grants you heart that understands so that you know because there is no issue with the seed it's, it's just the heart that receives it thank you in jesus name we pray thanksgiving amen okay so we are, we are looking at um of course the broad theme is our identity in christ and we are looking at this we are the children of god I'll begin by making some introductory remarks. Um, it's going to be a very short one. Then we take it from there. Now, all through the Bible, we see, okay, that several forms of relationships have been used to describe uh, relationship that exists between God and man. Okay, so God is referred to as um, many things because of his relationship with many people. Okay, so for example, to the world, he's, he's God. So we see that in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. So his relationship towards the world is, he's God. Okay? His re- relationship towards creature is that he's a creator. Okay? Now, of course, we are all God's creation, and hence he's a, he's a creator of us all. But you see, we can move the relationship that exists between us and God a bit further, such that we, we do not only see him to be our creator or our God, but also as our father. For example, okay, let's say your father is, is the, is the um, dean of the medical school. Okay, let's say your, your father is the dean of the medical school. Okay, now when, when you come to school, Okay, everyone in the medical school will see him as a dean, but you do not only see him as a dean, but you see him as a father. That's how God is, okay? So, there are a lot of people that relate to God or their relationship with God just end at a point that he is their God. 
but to a few of us, he does not only become our God, but he becomes our Father. Uh, not only that, okay, to other people too, God becomes a co-laborer. A co-laborer. So, so you, you realize that, he said that, for we are all laborers together with him. So these are people who are outliving purpose. So if, you see, so let me just make, make it clear for you, okay? So he's our God, he's our creator, okay? But to those that are regenerated, to those that are born again, he becomes our father. And when we take the sex of those who are born again, those who are laboring, those who are working in the vineyard of God, we become his co-laborers. So you see how the relationship is evolving. The more you go deeper in God, okay? Of course, to other people, he becomes an enemy. So the relationship between God and man is vast and numerous and myriad, okay? Based on your level with him. So today, we are going to only look at our relationship with God based on us being children of God and he being a father to us, okay? The, the other um, um, relationship types are beyond the scope of this discussion. Maybe another time you look at them. Now, let's go to Romans chapter 8, verse 16. In Romans chapter 8, verse 16, it is emphatically stated that the Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Okay, so, anyone that has accepted Jesus as your Lord and personal, if, you, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, God's, God does not only become your God, but now you become a child of God. Okay, because you are now regenerated. You now receive the essence of God. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus, okay, that except a man be born of water and the, the word, he cannot see, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Okay, instead of, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So the reception of the eternal life is that which transforms a person from being a mere man into being a child of God. Okay, so th- there is a transformation. There is a process that happens, okay, between someone who has accepted Jesus as his or her Lord and personal Savior and someone who has not. Though physically we all look the same, physically we are all in class, physically we all eat food, physically we all watch football, physically we all do a lot of things, but spiritually our states are different. One becomes God's creation, the other becomes a child of God. And the distinction is vast and clear. And clear. So outwardly, if you put two people there, you might not even tell that there is any difference, okay? But spiritually, there is a significant eternal difference between someone who has accepted Jesus as his or Lord and personal Savior and someone who has not. So then, I want to go a bit into, um, if I should use the word, the physiology of how this transformation comes about. How does God change a person? Okay, to become a child of God. Now, after the, the fall of Adam, we all know that the SIN gene, which is on all the chromosomes, hmm? SIN gene, the sin gene, we inherited the sin gene from Adam. So, everyone was spiritually dead. Everybody, okay, who is a descendant of Adam is spiritually dead. That's the default. Because we have the SIN gene on all the chromosomes. We are dead spiritually. Okay? So then, the only thing that makes us alive, when I use the term death, it talks about eternal separation from God. So the only thing that brings us back to God, I know we we know these things, but 
um um i'm going a bit into the a bit into detail okay just look at how the transformation of of um the transformation comes about good so once you accept jesus as your lord and personal savior okay he revives you he regenerated you you see the word i'm sure we all know the word regenerated regenerated comes from the regen so he he deletes the s-i-n engine and puts in us the r-i-t-h-e-o-u-s gene in us so now we become the righteousness of god we have inherited in us the righteousness of god so you see outwardly hmm, let, 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 let me give this difference if you if you see two people now okay you never tell outwardly who has the genetic predisposition for malignancy you can't tell from outward but when you do the the dna assay or the dna analysis or you do the genotype okay and you sequence all the genes then you can tell those who have predisposition for certain malignant um, um, um conditions okay that that's the same thing that happens so you see sometimes you, you don't really know what has happened to us or the difference it makes of you being a christian uh, because other people have not accepted you think physical oh we are all the same you all go to class we all pass the exams you all feel the exams we all you know um how do you call it we all fall in love you all get heartbroken you all blah 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 so you think that we are all the same but your eyes have not been open to the eternal significance okay that has happened in you spiritually if you can perceive that you eternally be grateful to god you thank god for the person who made you accept jesus as your lord and personal savior you 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 virtually thank that person that's why jesus told nicodemus you must be born again jesus never used must in anything but when it came to the new birth he said you must be born again so the new birth then shifts and transition us from becoming children of darkness into becoming the children of light because we receive the G- the dna or we are regenerated we receive new genes the old gene is deleted and god inserts in us the new gene so this genetic insertion then is that which transforms us into becoming god's children so i'm sure you've heard the term we have received the dna of god yes and that is so anyone that is born of god receives the nature and the characteristics of god unquote so then the holy spirit then comes in in in, um, the book of romans chapter 8 verse 16 and the holy spirit is there to remind you that's one of the functions of the holy spirit to remind you that hey you are a child of god that's why he said, the spirit himself bear witness with our spirit that we are God's children. That's to say, when you get to a point in time where you have forgotten who you are, the spirit is there to remind you of that act that has been done in your spirit, that you are now a child of God. Your position has changed. You are now a child of the king. You are now a child of God. Hmm. Let's go a bit into detail of how this transformation happens. Now, how does a person accept Jesus as his or a Lord and personal Savior? You accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior when you have faith in Jesus. So this simple act of faith in Christ Jesus has that potency of transforming our lives into becoming children of God. So the act of faith, the act of faith and believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, that's in quotes, simple act. It's really not that simple at all because... It triggers a lot of transaction. Okay, it tri- triggers a lot of a lot of them. For example, it, it's like signal transaction. Okay, you will see that oh, a drug just binds to a receptor. Outwardly, that's all you see, but you don't know what goes on within the cell. So the the act of you 
accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. It looks so simple on the outward, but if you look at the spiritual implications of it, it is beyond human comprehension. That's why the Spirit of God is there to remind you that in case you forget, remember that something has happened. Something has happened inside of you. There has been a change. There has been a transformation. So therefore, you cannot live the way you used to live hitherto or, or prior to your belief in Jesus Christ. So you can have the R-I-G-H-T-E-O-U-S gene inside of you, but you believe in as though you have the S-I-N gene around you. It's very important to understand that. So, let's look at how faith, we are looking at the signal transaction, how, how faith in Jesus Christ causes us to, you know, change. We are, we are going to look at the, you know, your medical students, so I, I know how I'm going, I'm dealing with this topic. Okay, we are going to see how the transformation happens. So, what is faith? You see, you always have faith in an object of faith. So, we, faith is not in vacuum, you always have faith in something. So, in this case, God becomes your object of faith. So when I say you have faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus becomes your object of faith. And I don't go into the, the subject of faith, okay? I can spend hours teaching, you know, faith, okay? But what, what actually happens when you have faith is that faith would always climax in what is called identification, where the, 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 the subject of faith, that is you, you become identified with the object of faith, which is God. So you are the subject of faith, okay? When you have faith in an object of faith, Okay, it climaxes in you identifying with the object of it. Let me use the woman with the issue of blood as an example to illustrate this um, for you to understand clearly. For example, the woman with the issue of blood, she was the subject of it. Okay, Jesus Christ, who he is, all his attributes. Okay, within him is the essence of healing. Within him is the essence of someone who cannot be sick. That's Jesus Christ. He never got sick. That was the identity of Jesus Christ. So what faith does is that anytime you, you, you make contact, anytime the object of faith contacts the subject of faith, there is that, you know, um, if I should use the word, um, 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 how do you call it? Um, uh, um, there is that connection, there is that link, and there is that amalgamation between the subject and the object. So then the subject now picks the identity of the object of faith. That is what happens. So, so when the woman touched Jesus Christ, what happened was that the woman now received a new identity. And that identity was that I cannot be sick. That was, that was how she received the healing. That's, that's, that's the, the physiology of faith. Too. That faith makes the subject of faith receive the identity, the essence, the substance of the object of faith. So if you have faith in God, the things that God can achieve, you can also do it. Because now you identify as the object of faith. You see, faith, what faith does is that faith switches who you make relevant in your life. So the doctors have said that you cannot be healed. So then you do not make the words of the doctors significant in your life. Now you switch your faith towards God and you identify with the possibilities of God. So then, if I have faith in Jesus Christ as my Lord and personal Savior, what happens is that the same thing happened. Okay, so then I identify with Jesus Christ. Then I receive a new identity. That's why we spend a lot of time talking about our identity in Christ. Why? Because before Christ, we had our old previous identities, our old previous mindset, our old previous attitude, our old previous weaknesses. But when we come into Christ, remember that there has been a transformation. That linkage, that touch, that faith over there has brought the subject and the contact into pro the subject and the objects into proximity. The two become existentially one. You you absorb and absorb the identity of Christ, and Christ absorbs and absorbs your weaknesses. Your weaknesses. 
So this who a child of God is. When you say you are a child of God, you need to understand that your identity has changed. Identity has changed. So then that's why the Holy Spirit is there to remind us. Still in Romans chapter 8 and the verse number um, 16. That the Spirit helped our infirmity. No, I mean, he said that. For the Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We can argue further and um, explore the scripture further and read. Um, still, um, let's still go to Romans chapter 8. That's, that's what we are looking at. Romans chapter 8. Um, um, let's, let's go to verse 17. And the, the verse 17 then becomes a further development or what we call a synthetic parallelism between verse 16 and verse 18. Because verse 16 is, and 17 rather, verse 16 is saying that the spirit itself or himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So you see that there is a colon over there. That colon means he is going to explain to us further what it means or the implication of being called a child of God. Why is this thing so important and precious that the spirit of God himself needs to remind you? Hmm. So he goes and see that if children, so this one is a logical reasoning. If children, then heirs, ah, oh goodness, heirs of God. Now, look at it carefully. Heirs of God. Heirs of God. What does that mean? Two, it means two things. It means that now God becomes our father and we inherit all the things he has. That's one way of looking at it. The second way of looking at it is that heirs of God. That means that what we possess is God himself. Okay, so God himself becomes our, our possession. Then he comes ahead and says that joint S. I like that one. Other version will say co-S. Okay, but this one is joint S with Christ. You see, our human minds cannot fathom the meaning of this. We can't understand. Because if, if you understand, you will cease to become a human being. You become something else. Are you seeing that? Joint S. So when you say our identity in Christ, it, it's stemming from this. By the fact that just that mere act of belief and faith in Jesus Christ transition you to become a child of God has a lot of effects. And one of the effects is that you now become joint heir with Christ Jesus. That means that everything that Christ possesses, everything, everything, his essence, his character, his power, his potency, his knowledge, his wisdom, everything that he possesses, you have become a partaker of it. Hmm. You have become a particular of it. So then we become, we become joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Joint heirs. So, next time when you say you are a child of God, it's, it's not just uh, something that you are saying for fun or some, a tag that you have placed on yourself. It has greater implication. And your eyes have to be open to this. Your eyes have to be open to this. But then, uh, if, if indeed being a child of God then has all these benefits, then the question that we ask really is, how come when we look in our own lives, it looks as though we are not joined as with Christ Jesus? Though, by principles and by what Jesus has, has done for us, we have become, as it has been implicitly stated, joined as with him. So then that means that there is a gap. There is something that is missing. And... Um, what is missing then becomes verse um, 14 because so so let's go back to verse 14 and um, I'll, I'll end in the next five minutes when you go to verse 14 we will see that 
for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now you see sons with S. Sons. Sons. Sons of God. Verse 16 is saying that for as many, for the Spirit himself bears with, them with our spirit that we are children of God. The two, the two words over there, the two, if I should say, phrases, but are not the same. Children of God is different from sons of God. This is where the this is the, the missing link that we should know. And if you understand this, you will know how to, to um, fully exude and express all the um, riches in Christ, okay? So being a son of God is different from being a child of God. Um, let, let's go to Galatians chapter 4. And I will end with that. Galatians chapter 4. Verse 1. So this is the same Paul who is writing to them. And he begins by saying that now I say the heir. Now we know who the heir is, right? In Romans chapter 8, we know that the heir is someone who is who is a child of God. So if you are if you are children of God, then you become heirs of God. So it's not the heir. As long as he is a child, children of God, as long as he is a child, different nothing from a servant, though. He be Lord of all. So then, the child is, is an heir. Okay? It's, it's, it's a fact that once you're a child, you are an heir. You are a joint heir with Christ Jesus. It's a fact. It's, an, it's a fact that cannot be. Um, or what, what we will say. Um, how do we even use, use this term? Inside? Um, I've forgotten the term. We, we, we use one term for it, okay? It's, it's a fact. Uh -huh, yes, it's an axiomatic truth. It's an axiomatic truth. Or it's a fact that once you're a child of God, you are an heir. Okay? You are the Lord of all. You are, you are the Lord of all. You, you are the possessor of all the things that we are talking about. You are joint heirs with Christ. That fact is true. It cannot be disproven. Okay? That is it. But you see, but the condition is this. As long as he remains a child, he's, he different not from a servant. So, it's as though, though you possess the thing. Okay? So then there is difference between possession and expression the children of god are possessors yet they don't express because they are living their lives as though they are servants ah oh goodness but you see but it's under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father so god might have given you all the things that christ have okay god has made you you know objectively and god has made you according to principles, that you are heir, that you are someone who possess, that you are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. But you see, the fact that you are joint heirs with Christ Jesus, the fact that you have all these blessings, all these riches, all these attributes, all this essence of Christ, does not mean that you are going to express it naturally because now you are a child. So then what is God going to do? God is going to let, God is going to put you under tutors, governors, teachers of the word of God, under the Holy Spirit himself, who is then going to lead you. So then, in as much as the Holy Spirit bears witness that you are children of God, yet he has to lead you so that the, the leadings of the Spirit of God, that is the teachings of the Spirit of God, will shift you from being uh, children into sonship. That's why in verse 14 of Romans chapter 8, he says that those that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons. But yet the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Uh, so, so anyone who is a child of God, you are a possessor of all things, but in your life, you might not manifest them. Why? Because when it comes to God, maturity is very important because there are certain gifts that when God allows you to have, it can destroy you if you are not matured enough to handle them. 
For example, imagine that your father has a car for you and you are four years old and your father gives you the key to the handle, to, to the car. You see, the car is a glorious, splendiferous gift, but because you are not matured, it can kill you. That's the reason why there are a lot of things that we are not experiencing in Christ, though we are heirs of Christ, though we are joint heirs of Christ, because we are not matured. We are still children, but God is giving us under tutors and governors. That's why today I have come to teach you and let you know, to expose you to, to you the verities of the scriptures, that until the, the time appointed by the Father, so when the Father knows that you are, you are matured enough, then what's he going to do? Then he's going to release you. He's going to now shift you from the realms of being children of God into the realms of being the sons of God. Ah, this is like, you know, when you go back to the, the, the Israelites, they had this, this um, festival, which um, what is called this puberty rites, um, like depot, which we have in our, in our country. I don't know if it still exists, but that was this. So for them, if you give birth to a child, okay, you give birth to a boy, he's a child. It's not now that we say son, okay? Son and child, okay, are different terms of the, you know, now we say, that, oh, once the, once the baby is, is boy, is ill, this is my son. No, 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 no. That's not how they use the words. Once you are born, you are a child. But until your father sees that you are matured, okay, he doesn't call you son. So when the father sees that you are matured, then now he calls you son. Then now you have access to, to all the things that are in the house. You can use anything that you want. <clears throat> verse 4. Is, no, verse 3. Even so we... Even so we, when we were children, are you seeing it? When we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. I came to tell someone that though you have inside of you the eternal God, though you have inside of you the, the, the omnipotence of God, all the power of God, all the power of Christ, you have inside of you the healing gifts, you have inside of you the power not to be sick because you have identified with the attributes and the nature and the essence and the character of Christ. You have inside of you holiness, you have inside of you purity, you have inside of you love. But because you are not matured, you are still under the bondage of the elements of this world. You still live anyhow like an unbeliever. Do you know why? Because of lack of maturity. But I came to tell you in verse 4 of Galatians chapter 4. But when the fullness of time was come, I came to tell you that even as you are exposing yourself to the scriptures, even as you are exposing yourself to the leadings of God, there is going to be a time coming called the fullness of time. When God sees that you are now matured, I came to tell you, when you get to that point, oh God, all the things that God has in God, God, all the things that you, are in, you have inherited and, and spiritually you possess, you begin to express them. So verse 4 is saying that, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth a son. When your time comes, when you mature, God is going to send you as a son. You see this word, this, this son, capital S, of course, distinguishing us from we, uh, you know, we, we being small S, made under a woman under the law to redeem them that are under the law. Verse 6 saying that, so because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit whereby you cry, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. Verse 7, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ, through Christ. How be it, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which were nature, no God, and so on and so forth. And so on and so forth. Beloved, this, 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 this is the issue. This is the, the, the paradox that we are, we are facing in our Christian journey. It's not that we are not children of God. We are children of God. The Spirit himself bears witness that we are children of God. Children of God, we are heirs. We are possessors of all things. But, lack of maturity. I came to trigger in you the desire to do much. When you see that some of us, we are reading the Bible, we are spending time fellowshipping, okay, trying to outlive the principles of the scripture so that we, we may grow. is because we have seen some secrets 
there are some there are some things that are locked in your life because of immaturity but i came to put inside your heart the desire to grow the desire to mature and when you get to that realm <clears throat> you, you begin to express all the things i think i'll end here god bless you all for joining amen Thank you so much for this opportunity.